hoes. I was gonna say I hope you don't mind me calling you hoes and bitches, but it's just who I am, okay? So I'm just addressing you lot like I would my friends. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, so hello. Should I be more professional? Good evening, welcome. <laughs> That's so not my vibe. Hello, darlings. Welcome to the Moon and Stars Hypnobirthing Podcast with me, Faith. Welcome back. I'm really impressed that you came back after my first episode. I've got to admit, I felt like it was a bit rusty. I did listen back because I do like to listen back. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. I also, you know, like when you do Instagram stories, I totally watch those back as well. Like, who doesn't? Like, if you don't, please let me know. Is that weird? I don't know. Anyway, welcome back. This is episode two of series two. And in this series of the podcast, I want to go through my whole hypnobirthing course and give it to you in bite-sized chunks of like half an hour because I feel like half an hour is a good time like that's a kind of a commute time or going for a walk time or having a bath time like I just thought that was a good amount of time to actually be able to sit and listen to something or walk and listen or whatever you're doing I don't care what you're doing just as long as you're listening basically and also I just thought who wants to listen to someone bang on for more than that not many people so Today's episode is going to be about the hormones for birth. There are, in my opinion, there are five main hormones for birth and I want to make it a bit fun. So I've I've turned each hormone into a high school character. (laughs) I know this is random, but bear with me. I promise it will make sense. And I've turned them into a character and I've done an Instagram post on it as well. If you want to go and have a look, if you want to have a look at something visual. If you don't follow me on Instagram, it's moon and stars hypnobirthing. So yeah, go and check it out. I've turned each hormone into a into a high school character. And the reason why I've done this is because when I was planning this podcast episode, I was writing all this stuff out, like all about the hormones, and it always sounded really medical and like just really boring. Don't get me wrong, I find it fascinating, but maybe the average person doesn't want to read all about neuroreceptors and shit like that. So I was like, oh, I need to, I thought, I was like, I need to make it more fun. And when I first qualified to be a hypnobirthing teacher, which was two years ago, I remember thinking, I really want to make it as fun as possible because I personally learn much better when I'm having a bit of fun or a bit of a laugh rather than just trying to listen to somebody waffle on about boring shit. And when I did my hypnobirthing training, it was with somebody called Nancy and she just, we, she just made it so funny. Like I remember just really cracking up at things and I remember thinking when I be a hypnobirthing teacher I want to be like her and be funny so yeah that's what I'm doing here I'm trying to be funny so hopefully you do find me funny (laughs) so as you get to know me through the podcast episodes as well I don't like to mess around too much so we will just dive right in so make sure before you listen to an episode make sure you're comfortable and you're ready because I'll just get straight in so let's go hormones for birth the five main ones we have got first up We've got oxytocin, which as a high school character, she's the queen bee. She's the most popular one. She's the prom queen. She's the one everyone wants to be, basically. Then we've got melatonin, which is the cheerleader. Oxytocin's little like, little bitch, basically, the sidekick. (laughs) Which sounds really bad, but you know what I mean. Then we've got endorphins. That's your like group of best mates, the people that you love. Then we've got adrenaline which is the bad boy which has a bad reputation but he's not all bad and then we've got prolactins how many was that one two three four yeah then we've got prolactin which is like i've put it as the teacher's pet 
But yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like that's right. So let's go through each one. I'm going to explain what the role of each one is, and then I'm going to explain how you can enhance the role and how the environment and certain things can fuck it up basically. Also, I should always I keep forgetting I need to do a disclaimer at the start of each episode, but I do like to swear. Sorry. When I first set up the podcast, I was like, well, I'm not going to swear and I'm going to talk. No, I'm not going to be something I'm not. So um, just to let you know, so that um, if you've got like kids listening in the background or whatever, I do apologise if they heard that. But I do swear. Or maybe you don't like swearing and this podcast isn't for you. And that's cool. I still love you. So anyway, oxytocin, as I said, Queen Bee. I like to think of her as, as the Beyonce of hormones. Um, This hormone... Oh my god, I just love it so much. Like it's just the most incredible thing in the world. And I had no idea until I learned about hypnobirthing. I had no idea that this was even a thing. But oxytocin well, I, I suppose I did. I know it I knew it I think I knew it as the cuddle hormone, but it's so much more than that. So oxytocin is a hormone. It makes your uterus contract. So it makes labour happen. So it's like the fuel to your car is the petrol to the car it makes everything happen and it also changes your brain as well so in pregnancy and birth it will change your brain and it kind of switches on the maternal part of your brain so it makes you want to look after your baby and there was a study of rats and I spoke about this on a podcast before and some asshole messaged me and was basically like but humans aren't rats and really went into one at me it was another um, hypnobirthing teacher actually she really went into one at me and um she needs to get a life quite frankly but anyway (laughs) anyway I was like yeah I know we're not rats mate I know I know I'm not a rat but um it was an interesting study that kind of shows the power of oxytocin and the potential effect it has on a human being and in this study they which I don't like I'm not about animal studies by the way but in this study there was some rats in a cage with some baby rats and these rats were the the parents of the baby rats and the baby rats were just beer babies and sort of squealing and crying or whatever and the rats were just annoyed at them they were like you're ruining my life man like stop crying what's wrong with you they just did not care they were annoyed by them I think one rat actually like hit one of the baby rats because it was annoying it so much anyway then they injected the rats with oxytocin and the rats completely changed and they started putting the baby rats in their mouths, walking around with them, cuddling them, like stroking them, like being very mothering to them. So yeah, that's the power of oxytocin. It can it can change how you behave is what I'm getting at, which to me is just, I, find, I think it's fascinating. So yeah, we're obviously not rats, but isn't that interesting? So as you're, right, so... Oxytocin makes your uterus contract, as I just said. But it and the reason for that, the reason for your contractions is to make your cervix open. So if you imagine your cervix as an iron door between your vag and your uterus, your baby cannot possibly get out unless your cervix is open. And I remember this might be a bit too much information, but I feel like we're going to get to know each other through this podcast, so let's just go in straight away. I remember when I was heavily, heavily pregnant, and it literally felt like my baby's head was about to come out. And I remember doing a poo one day, 
and thinking, what if I push my baby out? Like, I didn't want to push my poo out too much in case my baby came out. <laughs> and it seems kind of comical now, but at the time, I genuinely had severe anxiety about pushing my baby out with this poo. <laughs> and I feel like it's kind of, it's funny, but it's kind of sad that I didn't know that it just really wasn't possible. Like, you're, when your cervix is closed, like, when your cervix is just being a normal cervix, it's completely closed, like, your baby cannot possibly get out. But as you have contractions, your uterus draws up. As it draws up, your baby's head pushes down and your cervix softens, thins, and it thins so much until it opens. And then once you're fully dilated, your baby can come out. So that's the purpose of that whole situation. And oxytocin also then helps your placenta to come out. So after your baby's been born, you're cuddling your baby, and I'm going to do a whole episode on that, um, the skin-to-skin thing as well, but you'll be cuddling your baby, you get a big surge of oxytocin, and it makes your uterus contract again. So after you've given birth, your uterus will, will contract again, which I didn't know first time around either. And as your uterus contracts, the, the placenta detaches from the uterine wall where it's attached. It will detach and it will come out. It's not like giving birth again. It Placentas are very squishy and slippery and it just sort of slides out. You, you might have to push, but it sort of just glides out. Oh God, that just makes it sound horrible. But yeah, it will just glide out. And your uterus continues to contract. And as it contracts, it will shrink back down to its usual size. And as it shrinks, it closes off the open blood vessels that are left behind from the placenta detaching from the uterine wall. And I'm like, isn't that just amazing? Your body literally stems the blood loss by making your uterus contract as you hold and breastfeed your baby if you want to. So if you breastfeed your baby, that will happen quicker because as you breastfeed, your uterus contracts. I didn't personally breastfeed, so I don't know how it feels, but I've heard from lots of clients and people and friends and people that as your baby breastfeeds, you can feel your uterus contracting. And as it contracts, what it's doing is it's shrinking back down and stemming any blood loss from the placenta coming away. Isn't that amazing? Right, and that's what oxytocin does. And then if you have skin to skin with your baby after birth, you release oxytocin, as we know, and it helps to regulate your baby's temperature. So how it does that is when you're holding your baby, you release oxytocin and, like, I don't know, some kind of signals go to your brain and it tells you if your baby's warm or cold and then you adjust your temperature on your chest. So if your baby's warm, your chest will probably just stay the same. If your baby's too hot, your chest will cool down. And if your chest, if your baby is too hot um too cold your chest will warm up and regulates your baby's temperature and as your chest regulates your baby's temperature your baby then gets a, once their temperature is regulated they then get a signal in their brain that releases a hormone that helps their digestive system store calories from milk in a really good way that helps them grow so, so skin to skin is super beneficial for premature babies and poorly babies. So again, isn't that incredible that your body helps your baby to grow? Like skin to skin and oxytocin is what helps your baby to grow and thrive. Um, 
and then this helps you to bond with your baby so you release oxytocin which is like also known, known as the love hormone you release that um you, your body does all these things and then it helps you to actually want to protect your baby and love your baby and don't get me wrong like that doesn't always happen instantly so hopefully it does but that isn't always the case but if it doesn't happen instantly just have as much skin to skin as you can with your baby and it, it will come it will come unless you're very poorly with things like postnatal depression but i will do another episode on that as well but please don't worry if you don't get that instant rush of love like there's nothing wrong with you um and that's also more likely if you've had kind of interventions and stuff but i'll talk about that in another episode because that's a whole a whole big subject but um you know i'm t- in this kind of episode i'm talking about when birth just unfolds in a simple way so yeah so and it also when you release oxytocin after birth it also makes you feel more sociable which i thought was really interesting because if we're more sociable we're then more likely to want to see people and when we see people we're more likely to get the help that we might need with our babies so like you know that it, it takes a village and all of that so i thought that was super fascinating Honestly, I find oxytocin just unbelievably amazing. So things that can help oxytocin along. Um, or let me go back a step. So with when you're in labour, the more oxytocin you have, the better your labour will be. Because oxytocin paves the way for, for other hormones like endorphins, which are your body's natural pain relief. And the more oxytocin you've got, the more efficient your contractions are, the better everything works. Um, the smoother label will be, the more quickly your cervix will dilate and open. So you want a lot of oxytocin when you're in labour, basically. And the best way you can do that is to make sure your environment is geared up towards oxytocin. So oxytocin likes to work in an environment that feels safe, cosy, comfortable, dimly lit because it doesn't work as well with bright lights it's it's what's known as the shy hormone so if the lighting is bright and there's lots of strangers present it it doesn't come out to play it's basically like a date night hormone it's almost like you have to romance it (laughs) think of it as think of romantic vibes and you've got the perfect oxytocin environment so think twinkly like candle lights twinkly lights um nice music nice smells i'm like sort of moving my shoulders around like (laughs) i must look like a weirdo luckily you can't see me um but yeah like i I think i said in in the first episode you know our brains we are mammals and our brains are wired to give birth in a space that feels safe comfortable private and cozy so if you can make your environment feel like that you're going to really enhance the production of oxytocin we're almost like hacking the hormones here so while you're at home you could maybe do things like get in the bath listen to nice music have some um, nice candles like that kind of thing if you're in a hospital you can close the blinds you can which is totally fine and acceptable you can have earphones to listen to some music you can have an eye eye mask so you can't there's not all bright lights you could um have photos with you to look at your favorite memories like anything that makes you feel really happy and loved is going to get the oxytocin flowing um and a lot of other like hypnobirthing teachers and birth workers and stuff they talk about like um 
self-pleasure, I was trying to think of a way to put it, like having a wank basically, it gets the oxytocin flowing as well. So when you have sex and you have an orgasm, you'll have loads of oxytocin. So that can help labour along as well, which is fine if you want to do that, like, you know, why not? But I don't know many people that would really want to do that in a hospital bed or a hospital toilet, like, or at the middle of a hospital room, like, I don't know, I can't really imagine being like, right, close the curtains, everyone, I'm just going to, like, touch myself. Um, But we do know, like, it is a fact that having an orgasm and, like, tweaking your nipples, clitoral stimulation, it does massively produce a lot of oxytocin, which is great. So if your labour's kind of stalling, taking a long time, stopping and starting, like, you might want to consider... I don't know. I feel like I see a lot of Instagram posts about it because I obviously follow a lot of like hypnobirthing teachers and stuff and I think yeah that's all great but I would never ever do that (laughs) like even as a hypnobirthing teacher I just would never I don't know I just wouldn't but if you would please let me know because I'd actually I'd love to know I'll I'll tell you what we do um each week I want to do a bit of a theme and kind of get people to message me about different themes Message me and let me know if you would have a wank in a hospital. <laughs> Please let me know. <laughs> oh my god! But if you uh, there's a book by Inna May Gaskin, who's an American midwife. She's got like this. I don't. Know, it's like this. It, she describes it as a farm, but it's like this birth center in America that's on a farm. Um, it's it's a really powerful read. It's really amazing. But she talks a lot about it in her book, and it's it's really interesting. That nipple stimulation as well will help you produce oxytocin. But yeah, I just don't know if I could just like sit there tweaking my nips in hospital. But anyway, if you want to do that, please please let me know. I'd love to know. So yeah, oxytocin. Back to oxytocin. So yeah, it's a very powerful hormone. It's amazing it's the queen bee of the hormones but then we've got other hormones that play important roles in birth as well and the next one I've got is melatonin so if we imagine this as oxytocin's little bitch or like the cheerleader (laughs) and it cheers oxytocin on so oxytocin is what makes your uterus contract but melatonin labor can't start without melatonin so basically if you imagine it like this oxytocin goes oh yeah I'm thinking about starting labour but I'm just not really sure yet like I'm feeling a bit don't know a bit shy don't know I'm not really feeling it then melatonin goes oh my god come on girl you can do this you can do it let's go and then oxytocin goes yeah all right let's go kick starts labour I mean there's more to it than that because there's certain things that the baby does well actually it's actually believed now birth is still a mystery no one actually knows how it happens like how it starts I mean we know how it happens obviously but baby comes out your vag or comes out your belly but um no one knows what starts it but we think we think that the baby releases a protein that comes from the lungs that then makes labor happen but when I don't know how solid that evidence is but we do know that melatonin and oxytocin together kind of kickstart labour as well. So oxytocin goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm thinking about starting labour, but I'm just not sure. I don't know, is it a good idea? And then melatonin goes, yeah, come on, let's go, let's do this. Then oxytocin goes, right, wicked, let's go. Revs up the engine and then kickstarts labour, gets the um, uterus contracting and then melatonin keeps it going. It All the way through, it's like, come on, you can do this, let's go. 
and and melatonin when we're not pregnant is a hormone that regulates our sleep and wake cycles so we release a lot of melatonin at night time when it's dark and it tells our brains that it's time for bed so this is partly why i think most people go into labor at night time i say most people i didn't go into labor at night time with either of my girls but i do know i would say the majority of people do and i think it goes back to the old caveman times when it would have been safer because if you was in the cave with your baby daddy, they'd have been out hunting during the day, but they'd be with you at night and there'd be less predators. So it would make sense for you to go into labour at night time. So that makes kind of like evolutionary sense. Um, but yeah, obviously not everybody, but my, I feel like the majority of people do. So most people will find they'll have contractions at night and in the morning they'll kind of slow down as well. And I think that's to do with like melatonin. So as the day breaks, the melatonin goes, yeah, I'm not really feeling this anymore either. See you later. <laughs> so this is why dim lighting is so important, guys. So yeah, that's melatonin. So what can help melatonin and oxytocin work together nicely is, like I said earlier, is the dim lighting, the twinkly light, romantic kind of vibe. Um, if you've got your phone, if you're scrolling on your phone, you've got that that blue light that actually inhibit, inhibits, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for, prohibits the production of melatonin. So that could actually kind of possibly make labour longer. I'm saying possibly because I don't think there's any concrete evidence at the moment, but I feel like that makes complete sense. If scrolling on your phone at night can affect your sleep pattern, which is to do with melatonin, then why wouldn't it affect labour? So put the phone down, guys. Put the phone down. Just listen to podcasts <laughs> without looking at your phone. Um, so that's melatonin. Then we've got endorphins, which are your best friends in the high school scenario. Endorphins are your best friends, and I'm telling you, they are your best mate in labour, because these are your body's natural pain relief. So when you release oxytocin, you also release endorphins, which, as I've said, help with the pain of labour. However, if you're feeling stressed or anxious you the endorphin you release excessive beta endorphins which is basically like a break to oxytocin so it literally puts the break on oxytocin and goes no you, you can't be here anymore so there's no oxytocin and you've just got endorphins um sorry and you've just got beta endorphins rushing around your body and with no oxytocin it means your your labor slows down means your contractions aren't as efficient and you haven't got the pain relief endorphins so labor is more painful so this is why stress and anxiety can cause a lot of issues in labor and this is why hypnobirthing is very very important i think personally because if you can learn to breathe and be calm set up your environment in the right way you're gonna you're gonna give yourself you know a bit of a head start obviously there are things that happen in birth and there's nothing there's no twinkly light or incense or relaxation mp3 that could have stopped that or helped that but we can learn things that can help and why not like why not why not learn things that might help but also understand that sometimes it's not always possible but then we've hit the birth and then we we also learn how to be calm so at least you know, you can be calm in whatever situation arises. And this is why it's so important for me to get this message out there. But yeah, endorphins is your body's natural pain relief. 
they're basically like they're very similar to opiates like morphine and heroin um so yeah they're kind of like the man-made version but they're still not as good as the body's natural version which how crazy is that so sometimes when you hear things like labor failure um labor failed to progress or labor took a very long time and things like that often it's because the person that was in labor was very very stressed or anxious or very scared or the environment was just not set up for like how mammals should be giving birth so think of things like bright lights strangers looking at you people just entering the room who you don't know um machines beeping people screaming from another ward like all those things like imagine how that affects your hormones like that's that's quite big isn't it and the best way i can describe it is a bit like sex and birth are very similar so imagine you're having sex with your partner loving life having a great time you know in an environment that feels good for you which is normally similar to what's good for birth so private cozy comfortable warm don't want to be cold unless that's your thing is that a thing being cold during sex (laughs) most people don't want that um so imagine you're just having it you're having a nice sexy time with your partner loving life and then someone just turns on some really bright fluorescent horrid lights there's machines beeping at you i don't know there's like four strangers walk in the room and go oh hello what are you doing? Let's have a look. Lights on. They ask you to spread your legs so they can have a look. Like, is that going to completely just, like, stop sex in its tracks? Like, all the hormones that were flowing, all the... You would have been releasing the endorphins, you would have been releasing the oxytocin, all the good stuff. And then the bright lights turn on, the music goes off, and there's four people just looking at you, staring at you. You're just going to be like, what? Like, can you actually imagine it? You're not going to be in the mood anymore. You're going to dry up and be like, no, thank you. (laughs) If you're having sex with a male, they're probably like, they're not going to be hard anymore. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? And that's exactly like birth. Imagine you're just in your birth, you're in your like vibe, you listen to your music, loving life. Doctor walks in you've never seen before, you don't know, turns on the lights, right, it's time for your vaginal examination your labour stops, that, that's, your, your adrenaline's going to kick in, which you're going to talk about in a minute, but your body's going to, you're going to feel stressed, anxious, oh, what the fuck is this, and then the oxytocin's not going to flow, because the oxytocin's going to be like, Mm-mm, no thank you, not today, we're not going to give birth here, this is, this isn't good, um, so yeah, that's kind of the best way I can describe it, and then the next hormone we've got is adrenaline, And this is the same thing. When you're feeling scared or anxious, you release adrenaline. When you release adrenaline, the blood in your body gets diverted to your arms and legs so that you can run away from whatever the perceived danger is or you can fight it, fight or flight, right? So run away or fight. And when that happens, that means the blood gets diverted away from your uterus. So now your uterus is trying to contract with less blood and less oxygen, which is very, very difficult it's going to be more painful but also it's going to be more painful because you haven't got the endorphins because that all stops and all the oxytocin they cannot work together that that all of that shit gets shut down because your brain goes danger danger forget everything let's just fucking run or let's fight so again the things that can make adrenaline 
like flow in your body is when you feel scared, stressed or very excited. So how do we stop that? Again, as I've said so many times, environment is key. Making the environment cosy, comfortable, warm, safe, private. That's all you need to do. And breathe. Because, you know, we're human beings. At some point in labour, you're probably going to feel scared or stressed. At some point, let's face it. Hopefully not, but let's just be real here. So if you do, you just need to breathe. And we did the breathing exercise in the last episode. And I will do a whole episode dedicated to breathing as well. But breathe. Bring yourself back to your breath. As you breathe, your heart rate reduces. You feel calmer. The adrenaline can can do one. And the oxytocin can come back. So, but adrenaline, I've I've described it in this high school thing as the bad boy. Which it is because we don't want that by... We don't want that near us when we're in labour. But... At the end of labour, just before the pushing phase, you get a big burst of it. And that's actually really beneficial because that gives you that extra energy to push your baby out. But also, it makes you super aware of your surroundings to make sure it's safe. So all this kind of stopping and starting of labour, like one minute we've got oxytocin, the next minute we've got, we're putting the brakes on because we're stressed. All of that stuff, like it all sounds like a massive cock up from the brain, doesn't it? Like, why would your brain do that to you? But actually, it makes really good sense because if we go back to the caveman times, if you were, you would probably, women would have instinctively searched for like a a quiet, cosy space to give birth in. And, you you know, you're busy in labour and a saber-toothed tiger is lurking outside, which was a real thing, you know. And you you would see it or hear it or whatever and you would absolutely shit yourself. And actually, adrenaline is what actually makes you shit yourself in labour as well. <laughs> sorry, not in labour. God, no. Sorry, that's a whole another situation. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And um, when you're when you're when people are absolutely terrified, like when there's real actual danger and people poo themselves, it's actually because of adrenaline, because your body gets rid of any excess weight so that you can run faster. But so that's where the term shitting yourself comes from. But anyway, so you're in labour. Saber tooth tigers lurking around outside. You get scared. Adrenaline flows oxytocin stops so basically your contractions stop labor stops or slows down dramatically which is great because that means you've got time to move to a safe space to give birth and get away from that saber-toothed tiger hopefully so that makes complete sense right back in the caveman days but nowadays it's actually really irksome because we're not really in those situations anymore but we are in situations where we get to hospital, most people give birth in hospital nowadays, you get to hospital, feels very unfamiliar, most people associate hospitals with very negative things, situations, it's, you know, like I said, it's unfamiliar, there's new smells, there's new sounds, there's new people, you know you're about to give birth, or you're going to give birth very soon, so that feels very scary, it all becomes very real, and the adrenaline flows, so if you are giving birth in a hospital, the best thing to do is bring bring some music with you. Bring like I said earlier, think about oxytocin and things that make you feel happy. Have music in your earphones, um, or relaxation MP3s, hypnosis MP3s. Um, have an eye mask for when you get to the room you're going to give birth in, so you can just not see anything. You could also think about bringing sunglasses, which sounds really random, but sunglasses can really help because bright lights, as we know are 
detrimental to the production of oxytocin and melatonin. So if you wear sunglasses, you can kind of counteract the bright light situation. You can bring a pillow from home because it smells like home, which is familiar. You could have, I know I've sort of taken the piss out of like incense and stuff like that, but you could have a diffuser or essential oils or even just perfume. Or I know someone, I had a client that brought sun cream to hospital with her because sun cream reminded her of holidays and that made her feel happy. And then another, a friend of mine actually, who's very sadly, her mum passed away when she was not long before she got pregnant. So she had her mum's perfume with her. So smells are really powerful as well because smells can take you back instantly to a memory. So like I said, same with music and songs. So have music playing, have smells that you like, bring familiar items from home, just make your environment familiar and cosy and you're setting yourself up, you know, in a good way. Um, and then the next hormone we've got is prolactin, which is teacher's pet. So this hormone is the hormone that makes your mammary glands make milk for your baby which is amazing. Um, it's often known as the mothering hormone or sometimes the nesting hormone and it increases throughout pregnancy and it increases quite dramatically towards the end of pregnancy and it actually changes your brain. So oxytocin changes your brain but so does prolactin. It gets you ready to be a parent. It gets you, it, it sort of kickstarts your maternal instincts so you're born with them but nothing really happens until you're pregnant and you give birth and then they it kickstarts them. But it also happens for fathers to be as well. So if you're, you're, um, the other parent for your baby is a, a father, they will also get it as well. How amazing is that? Like, I don't know, I don't know about, um, if you're in a same sex relationship, I don't know if the, the, your partner would also get the increase in prolactin. But I know the study was done for fathers-to-be. I mean, I assume so. If it happens for fathers-to-be, why wouldn't it happen for, um, like, your partner if they're a female? I don't know. So that's really interesting, actually. I might look into that. Or if anyone knows, please do feel free to message me. I'd love to hear. But, yeah, this study that I'm talking about, it was for fathers-to-be. And their prolactin increased towards the um, end of their partner's pregnancy. How amazing is that? And what happens is it increases and fathers-to-be with more prolactin were more responsive to newborn cries. Which, again, how amazing is that? It's like the, um, what's that syndrome when, people, when fathers-to-be or birth part, um, like other parents and they get like sympathy pregnancy symptoms? Is it like couvard or something? God, I've pronounced that really terribly. <laughs> But there is a thing where people do actually get pregnancy symptoms, don't they? Like sim- uh, sympathy pregnancy symptoms. Oh, that's a mouthful. So yeah, prolactin makes you make milk. You get a massive surge of it after you give birth, thanks to oxytocin, the queen bee, all hail the queen. Um, that ma- that surge of oxytocin also gives you a surge of prolactin and your boobs make milk for your baby. Which, isn't it? It's just amazing how all the the hormones, they've all got their own role, but they all work together. Like there's an interplay of beautifulness. But I described it to someone recently as like diversity, the dance group. I was like, individually, they're all amazing and they've got their own dance routines. But when you put it all together, it's just unbelievable, like it's amazing. And it can't work properly unless all of them can work together properly. 
So that's the best way I can describe it, like diversity. So we've got high school hormones and then they're like diversity. Oh, yeah, sorry. I just, I like to try and think of innovative ways of explaining things and I feel like people remember it more as well. But also, um, prolactin helps your instincts kick in as well. And this, this is like mother's intuition and also father's intuition, I would say, or, you know, the other parent's intuition. It, it is a real thing and hormones make that happen. Um, so for example, I, I heard this story where this mum, she had a, I think it was like an eight or nine month old. They just started getting to a point where they could possibly climb out of the cot at night. And she was a bit worried and she said to her husband, oh, you know, I want to put a pillow down by the cot tonight in case like, um, I don't know, what's his name? What should we call him? Johnny gets out of the cot. And he goes, no, he won't do that. He'll be all right. Don't worry, he's fine. So they went to bed. And then the mum got up in the night to go to the loo. And on the way back from the loo, she thought, no, I really want to put this pillow down by the cot. So she went and put the pillow down by little Johnny's cot. And what did little Johnny do? The little sod in the morning he managed to get out of his cot and he fell and landed on the pillow. She was like, said to her husband, I told you so, you little bastard. <laughs> but it's really interesting because things like that happen all the time. Like your your mothering instinct, your gut, it's never wrong. So always trust it. And it's it's a genuine thing. Like your brain literally switches on. Like it, your brain becomes in tune with these things. And I wish I could find a way of logically describing it more, but prolactin and oxytocin they they those hormones do literally change your brain and they do literally kickstart the maternal center of your brain that makes you want to look after your baby protect your baby and become it helps you to be more in tune so never ignore your instincts they're always right and this is why i have a really big issue with um like baby apps like you get these apps that tell you when your baby should nap and like when your baby should eat, and I'm like, what the fuck, no, no, your instincts will tell you everything you need to know, you don't need an app, or you don't even need a book, you don't need this podcast, you don't need anything, you know what to do, and it's the same with birth, like, don't get me wrong, it's great to be educated about things, but you will know what to do, you, you do know what to do, so you don't, you don't need this podcast, you don't need any of it, but it's a shame because there's just no education around this, any of this stuff. But you have everything you need. If you have a uterus and a vag that you can push a baby out of, you, you've got everything you need. <laughs> you've literally got everything you need. So, yeah, there you go. I'm going to end it there because I've waffled on for quite a long time, my loves, today. But um, I hope that made sense. I really hope that made sense. I'm not sure. I know it's quite a random way of putting everything but I hope that made sense I hope you enjoyed it let me know please do feel free to, to dm me it's nice to know that somebody's listening and I'm going to end each episode with a oracle card pull because I love my tarot and I love my oracle cards and all of that and I just thought it'd be a nice way to kind of end an episode so I pulled a card just before this episode and the one I've pulled from the Rebecca Campbell starseed oracle deck which I absolutely love it's beautiful, by the way. The, the pictures on it are stunning. Um, but the, the card I pulled, and I haven't read the meaning of it yet, is Karmic Relationships. Orient Energy, 
polarity, soul growth, conflict. So I'm going to read the meaning for you. So it says, the constellation Orion, I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry, Orion or Orion, is thought by many to have been a place of great polarity and eventual unity. Some believe that many star seeds who were part of this cosmic history are incarnate on Earth now and are playing out karmic relationships from Orion times. Perhaps you're one of them. Ooh. Are any of you lot star seeds? I used to think I was a star seed actually. If you don't know what I'm on about, Google it, it's quite interesting. Um polarity causes conflict and highlights separation. However, because of this, conflict can also result in unity and growth. Too many misunderstandings are caused when we don't open our heart and mind and see things from a different point of view. When we go into reactive second-guessing mode, instead of gathering the courage to open our heart, we should admit that we may have reacted because of our own woundings and then find mutual ground. Hmm. We're all innocent children looking to be seen, understood and cherished. It's much harder to grow closer through conflict than it is to grow further apart. And yet that's the inv invitation of conflict. It's easy to react and take things personally. It's more challenging to see the innocence of all involved and find a way to grow closer through the conflict. It's through relationships that we grow the most. How can you soften your heart and drop your defences enough to see things from a different point of view? How can you see the innocence of all involved? How can you learn to see the similarities rather than the differences? So the prompt for this card is, which relationships do you find the most challenging? How can you see things from a different perspective? How are you being called to allow growth through conflict? So I don't know if that resonates with you, but I just thought, I literally just shuffle cards and just pull one out. I just thought I'd read it out. Because you just never know. Like I like to pull these cards in the morning because it just makes me think about things that I might not have thought about otherwise. So I quite like it. So yeah, that's the end of episode two. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here. And I'll be here every Tuesday and bringing you all sorts of hypnobirthing birth information, hopefully in a funny way. And yeah, please do rate, review and subscribe. I hate saying it, it makes me feel well cheesy. Please rate, review and subscribe, yeah. Um, but please do, because it does make a difference. I'm, you know, I'm trying to help as many pregnant peeps as I can. So the more reviews I get and ratings and stuff, the more my, my podcast gets bumped up, basically. So yeah, if you could do that, that'd be amazing. Please feel free to DM me, or if you're not on Instagram, you can email me, info at moon and stars hypnobirthing. I love hearing from you all. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Mm -hmm.